great to be in the house of the Lord this morning, is it not? Brother Herman, would you open us up in prayer, please? Amen. Oh. Anybody have any idea what we're talking about today? Is it on the screen? Now, some of you do. I've already told you. If you would, you want to turn in your Bibles with me. Go to the book of Matthew, <coughs> chapter 6. What is commonly called <coughs> the Lord's Prayer. But it's not the Lord's Prayer. What you find here in Matthew 6, <coughs> excuse me, is a model prayer. This is a prayer that Christ gave to his disciples when they asked if he would teach them to pray like John the Baptist taught his disciples. You'll find that in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. But what we see here in Matthew chapter 6 is Christ is talking about praying and he tells his disciples pray in this manner and he gives them a model to pray. It is one piece of scriptures that you probably learnt in kindergarten by Gates Bible School. Everybody can pretty well recite the Lord's Prayer by heart. But sometimes we become so familiar <clears throat> with the passage that we fail to see the true meaning contained within it. The Lord is teaching his disciples, pray in this manner. So let's just take a look at what he's actually told them, the things that we do not always stop and see in God's holy word. The first thing you see there is simply our Father, which art in heaven. Now, folks, I cannot say, you cannot say, our Father if we are living in a watertight spiritual compartment and not willing to share this Father with the lost. John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten Son to die on that cross for each and every one sitting here in this sanctuary today and each and every one that's walking on this earth today and each and every one that walked on this earth in the past that's going to walk on this earth in the future. But this Father is our Heavenly Father. To be able to say our Father, we must 
show it. Sometimes, folks, <clears throat> it's very easy to gather in sanctuary on a Sunday morning and sing our songs and praise our Father. But then, during the week, we fail to share our Father with the lost. You see, when Christ died on the cross, he just didn't die just for me. He didn't just die for the Baptists. He died for all. Now, in this world today, excuse me, these cedar trees are getting after me. In this world today, <clears throat> you hear the word race and racism so much you can say boy that's a big black cloud you're racist that's kind of taking it to the limits but you'll see them doing that but folks I'm going to tell you what color was the blood of Christ on that cross what color is the blood going through your veins? What color is the blood going through someone with a different type of skin than we have? Can you name me anybody that's ever been on this earth that their blood was a different color? That in itself tells us this is our father, our father. Everybody's father that will come unto him through their son, his son, Jesus Christ. We need to take it more serious than what we do. I cannot say, if you're still with me there, Father, if I am not willing to enter into the father-child relationship that we are called to be in with Jesus Christ. We become his children when you're saved. We must live an obedient life as an obedient children. You'll find also written in the book of Romans. For many is led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Therefore, we can say, Abba, Father, we are his child by that blood that was shed on the cross. Now, you'll hear some people say, and I've heard it, and I'm sure some of you other have. Herman probably heard it too. If you do not belong to my denomination, you're doomed to hell. Folks, Christ did not die for a denomination. He died for you. He died for me. 
He died for each and every one. We are to be Christians. You become a Christian first, then you can call yourself any denomination you want to. But if you're not a Christian, that denomination is going to take you to hell instead of heaven. You must be a Christian to have this child-father relationship, to be able to say, Our Father. You cannot say, which art in heaven. If you're so occupied with laying up your treasures here on earth instead of laying up your treasures in heaven, you'll find Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, and Luke chapter 12, verse 34, plainly states that where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. So we become so concerned with laying treasures up here on this earth and forget what we're called to be in his name where your treasures are there's where your heart's going to be and as we look further into this model prayer you cannot say hallowed be thy name if I, if you, who are called to be by his name, am not doing everything we can to be holy. We serve a holy God. We are called to be holy also as he is. Scripture tells us we are to be conformed into his image. Does that mean that on this earth you're going to achieve perfection? No. No. There's only one perfect, sinless person that ever walked on this earth. That is Jesus Christ. And we are to do everything we can in this world as a child of God to come to the point that we become holy as our Father is. You see... In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 tells you, But as he which has called you to be holy, so you be holy in all manner of living. Now, I don't have to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, it's easy to be a Christian on Sunday morning, isn't it? We get up, we get around, we get to church, we go to Sunday school, we listen to a pastor bring a sermon to us, we sing our songs. We go home. I did my good deed today. But too many times, folks, when Monday morning comes, it's a whole different story. You cannot be a one-hour Christian. You must be a Christian 24 hours a day. You're called to be holy. You're called to show the world this perfect Jesus Christ Savior that we worship which leads us on to the next part I cannot say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven if I am resentful of or I am being disobedient to his will for me 
We are to seek his will. We are to follow his will in all things. How many of you have ever sometimes in your life, everything's going great and wonderful in your life, and so you kind of say, well, maybe, Lord, I can take today and do handle it myself. You can have the day off. And before that day is over, you have the biggest train wreck you've ever had. Seek his will in all things. You say, well, do I need to seek his will of what I'm going to eat? Seek his will in all things. Do I need to seek his will of what I'm going to wear? Seek his will in all things. Yes. How are you going to know what God wants you to do if you do not go to him seeking his will be done? I cannot say, give us this day our daily bread, if I'm living on past experience. God is to be God in my life, not only yesterday, but he is to be God in my life today, he is to be God in my life tomorrow. You see, by our limited means that we have as a person, we can see the past. We can see the present, but we cannot see the future. We do not know what God's will is going to be for us tomorrow. You don't know what God's will is going to be for you before you even get home. You must seek his will. You must seek his will. You cannot say, I cannot say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors if I hold a grudge against anyone. Too many times a Christian may feel that he is being done wrong by someone and our action, reaction is, hmm, I'm going to get even. I ain't going to get mad, but I'm going to get even. What would happen if Christ had said that pertaining to us? Hmm? Hmm? Have you ever stopped and thought about that? What would have happened to us if Christ had that attitude? One of his disciples asked Christ, How many times must I forgive my brother? You all know the answer that Christ gave. Seven times 70. Now, some of you already figured that up. That's what, 470 times? But the number seven in scriptures is a number of completion, fullness, and perfection. So what Christ has told that disciples, not just seven times 70, but 100%. Forgive, forgive. Is that always easy to do? It's not if you're trying to do it on your own. But if you're doing it through the power of Christ that's given you the power to do so, it does become easy. As we look on a little further there, the next thing we see is 
Lead us not into temptation. Boy, that sounds simple, doesn't it? Lead me not into temptation. I can't say that. If I deliberately place myself in a position to be tempted. You say, well, how do you do that? Sometimes uh, we do that by some of the programs we watch on TV. We do that sometimes by the books we read. We do that sometimes by the picture shows we go to. We do that sometimes by the situations we get ourselves in. Folks, I'll plainly and simply say, Satan has enough power to tempt us without us giving him any help. Don't place yourself in the line of temptation because I'll guarantee Satan will definitely use it. Which brings me then that I cannot say, deliver us from evil. If I'm not willing to fight this evil in the spiritual realm with the weapon of prayer. Studies have been made that the average Christian, the average Christian spends 15 to 20 minutes a day in prayer. Now, let me ask you a little simple question. Most of your cars has gas tanks on them around 17 to 18 gallons. My pickup, I had a special order, it's got 35 gallons on it. When you fill that up, you can go four, five, six hundred miles. But if you only put one gallon in it, you're going to be lucky to get back home. So how in the world then does a Christian expect to spend less time than they take to eating a bologna sandwich in prayer and expect to know what the Lord wants them to do? I'd like to know. Prayer is your weapon that God has given you against Satan. And it is in the prayer that you will defeat Satan. Then we go on a little bit further. For thine is the kingdom and the power. I can't say that if I fear what man may do or what my neighbors may say. We are to obey God in all aspects of our life. We are not to please man. I didn't make that up, folks. It's in the scriptures. When the due disciples was preaching Christ that they got thrown in jail, they were told that they'd go free if they would do away with their preaching. Peter said, we must please Christ, not man. Not man. You see, what... I may say and I may think it's not going to get you in heaven.
but what I say and what I think may help show you the way that you can get into heaven. Don't worry about the neighbor. Worry about yourself. And if you worry about yourself, and the Holy Spirit leads you to that foot of that cross, and by the blood of Christ you are washed clean, then you will have the power to go to that neighbor and offer him Christ. Without it, you can't. Looking a little further into this model prayer, we'll see it says, Thine is the glory. Thine is the glory is referring to the Heavenly Father. His glory. I cannot say that if I'm seeking glory for myself. I know when someone comes up to me and says, Oh, Jim, you did a great, you did a great Sunday school class, or you did a great sermon. My answer to them is, no, I did not. But God did. God did. I was only an instrument that he used. To him goes the glory. I'll give you one good example. When I was in Kansas, our church needed to elect two more deacons. We interviewed several that we thought might be qualified I was talking to one, and I asked him point blank out, why do you want to be a deacon? His answer was, that will give me a great status in the community. Hmm. I looked at him in the eye and said, son, you ain't going to make it. You ain't going to make it. You see, the glory belongs to our Father. We are instruments that he uses. There's nothing wrong with thanking someone for doing a good work for God. As long as you're doing it out of appreciation and not trying to elevate them to the level of seeking glory. The next part I will talk about is simply one word. Forever. Forever. I cannot say forever if my horizon is limited by things of time. Within Scripture, you'll see where it is stated that 1,000 years is but one day with our Father. We should not limit our horizon, our calling, by the time as we look at it. Sometimes people will say, oh, I don't need all that hippie-doo that you people do in church. I've got plenty of time. God's a forgiven God. I can wait right up to the last minute 
Well, is anybody out here can tell me the exact moment you're going to die? There's not a person walking on this earth can tell you exactly. As God said, as Christ said to that rich gentleman, your soul will be required today. Do I believe in the best dead confession? There is such a thing. The third thief hanging on the cross, the second thief hanging on the cross is an example. When he acknowledged that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, they took him down. Did they? Did they take him down? Did they run down the creek, dip him in the water, bring him back up there and hang him up to dry? No. No. When he acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Son of God, what did Christ tell that thief? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. But do you know when your day is going to come? I don't. I'm not a gambler. I'm not going to gamble getting to go to heaven on my ability to know when I'm going to take the last breath on this earth. It may be another 10 years. It may be another 10 minutes. None of us here today even has a guarantee that you'll be home, make it home alive. So you must be ready. Like that motto that Boy Scouts has, always be prepared. Well, how is a Christian always prepared? By being a Christian and being saved. Don't be limited by things that will not last. Look to the fulfillment of our hope in Christ. Look to eternity. Spent with Christ. Spent with Christ. You see, that little prayer that Christ answered his disciples when they said, teach us to pray. You see what's all in it? You have the whole scriptures contained in five verses. Luke, would you give the invitation, please? <laughs>